Welcome to the Harvest Plains Church Podcast, where we seek to help people learn about God, love Him and others, and live for His glory. I am Pastor Cody, and thanks for tuning in. All right, well, welcome to episode two of the Harvest Plains Church Podcast. Uh, Last uh, podcast we had, I mentioned that it would be a smorgasbord of topics that we would cover Uh, with no particular uh, direction that we would necessarily uh, go, (laughs) and we would just kind of feel it out. And today is a special treat because I have a a friend of mine with me here, Troy Soljum. A little bit about my relationship with Troy. Uh, I have had the joy of knowing him now for, I guess, a couple of years. It's getting up there. Sounds accurate. Close to that. Uh, I think uh, Troy and I, we first met because his daughter, Lainey, and son-in-law, Caleb, they attend our church at Harvest Plains. And uh, I guess from from that point that we met, we've just continued to enjoy each other's company. You've attended our theology study that gets together every Thursday morning in Fargo. You have, uh, we, we have gotten to see each other at flag football flag games. Flag football, that's right. And our sons uh, have really become close, and uh, I think they would be uh, BFFs uh, status or close to, and uh, it's just been an absolute joy uh, to spend time around Troy and his family, and uh, the reason I wanted to bring him on here today, though, is because God has been working in Troy's life in a rather unique way, leading him into a, a new uh, ministry. And uh, I just find it fascinating all that God has been doing uh, in your life, brother, because uh, it, it is in, I think, to the outside world, uh, an astonishing thing that you would change directions <laughs> and uh, in many senses uh, kind of drop what you're doing, right? And uh, take on uh, a new focus for your life and a new pursuit and uh, a new area of ministry. And so uh, big picture is Troy here is looking to join staff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, uh, for the knowledgeable person of the organization. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I want to talk about this new ministry opportunity. I want us to get to know Troy a little bit and uh, have him share about his ministry and if the Lord would lead you to support him in some way, then we would praise God for that. And so we'll give you some information for uh, how you might come alongside this brother and help support him, whether it's through finances or prayer or friendship, um, so many ways to do that. But uh, I-, I thought we would kind of start here. Uh, Troy, I mean, what got your heart pointed towards FCA? Because this is... This is not what you've been doing for quite some time, right? I mean, give us a little background of where you've been, what you've been doing, and and now what got you heading in the direction you are. Well, one thing you didn't mention, Cody, is my age. So, yes, it's a leap of faith because I am 56 (laughs) years old going on 57 this summer. Um, It's complex in in many ways. In other ways, it's quite simple. Um, Really raised in a in a, a solid Christian home, but a home that, um, you know, pointed me the right direction, but I certainly spent my early years drifting away, kind of trying to discover 
things on my own. And, and really it was getting married. I would say that I was saved early on as a 15 or 16 year old, but quite frankly, um, others in my life, like my mother would say that probably more than I have recollection of that. (laughs) Um, I knew there was a point though. I've always believed, but I've never fully believed in, you know, and through a marriage and uh, the birth of our first daughter um, in 1998 really caused me to examine my own heart. Um, before that, it was kind of about me. And I remember looking at the, into the eyes of my little girl and we- wept. And I remember looking at my wife and, and just broke out into tears seeing the power of God, actually just that miracle of new life. I mean, obviously when our first children are born, it's a, it's a miracle. And I never quite, until you walk into that and are experiencing it, you never really fully grasp the weight of it. Though I always wanted to be a, a husband and a daddy. Um, but it was really um, that which began to turn again, examine my heart and turn me back to, you know, um, the God that I knew I loved, but didn't know how to love. Mm. So we, we, uh, I grew up in a Lutheran, uh, church that was really believed in the inerrant word of God. Um, but a lot of confusion in the sixties and the seventies led the church away from the, the ELCA came in and, and, and took over the, uh, I guess it was the ALC, I believe at the time. Um, we still had a really a lot of good, solid, wonderful, godly pastors, but liberalism started to creep in. And I was on the council, I remember, back in the late 90s. And at that time, there was a magazine published by the ELCA. And there were some questions. I wouldn't get into an awful lot of details here, but it really caused me, it said, we're trying to determine our stance on this particular issue or that particular issue. And I had started reading the Word of God more and recognized that, well, the stance is already given in Scripture, which caused me to question the church I was even attending and the preaching I was sitting under. Um, so ultimately, a close friend of mine who ended up going to to uh, California, to uh, Biola University and to Talbot School of Theology out there. He and I were serving as um, councilmen at the same time. We walked, began to walk this journey together Mm. and really to discover that we needed to seek out a fellowship where, where the inerrant word of God was preached and lived out. And so that brought us into, um, we went to a few different churches, um, mostly through different connections we had. And we ended up landing at, uh, at the time, it was called Wolverton Evangelical Free Church in Wolverton, Minnesota. Um, close friend from high school, him and his wife went there, and some lifelong friends of my parents went there. And so, and, and I used to sing in a quartet, so we actually sang there for a men's, a men's fall retreat one year. And so anyway, we, we selected that. We ended up um, landing there and and really, um, it was through, if I was to define or uh, recognize in a, a particular time and experience where I, where the Spirit of God really overwhelmed me, it was at my brother Jason's wedding. Mm. 
Pastor Doug Anderson was a pastor at Bethel Evangelical Free Church in Fargo. Just a godly man who was raised in the mission field in, in, in Haiti. Just a, a very compassionate lover of God and a lover of man. And he, he gave a homily or a message in that wedding. My wife and I both stood up for, for um, Jason and Joanna. And watching my brother in tears and my wife in tears, and we were all in tears by what... It, it was a spirit of God came alive in me unlike any other time preceding that. Hmm. And so I knew. And after we became um, members of that church, um, we just continued to grow in our faith. There's a lot that I'll skip over, but if we're looking towards what has been leading me in this direction, there's many different things. Yeah, and I think any guy in ministry That's right. can see that there were different moments along the journey. That's right. That God would put a a stop and bring somebody in and maybe it's a friend, maybe it was a pastor that they heard preaching but there's the these moments that become even like down the road um these ebenezers that you look back to it's so true where you just see god working in very special ways laying things on your heart in in very unique ways uh, bringing others to encourage you uh, in that direction that you're headed and affirming that so, it's not a singular journey. Not a singular not at journey all. at all. Yeah, the the being filled. I think what I end up happening is I I started coming under conviction in probably 2009, 10, somewhere in there. I remember sharing with my wife um, that you know how is it, honey, that now for give or take about eight to nine years we've been traveling 30 miles from where we live. Um, the church, by the way, um, that started in Wolverton, we eventually relocated. We had a lot of mold issues in that old building, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and some of the people that attended really suffered from that. So, you know, really God did build this church, um, and it's located right east of Christine. But at some point, I came under conviction, you know, and I shared with my wife, how long are we going to continue to drive by our community some of which, you know, uh, a, a dear neighbor that struggled with alcohol, an alcoholic, come from an alcoholic family. How long do I drive by and fill up my own tank and not allow God to spill me out, right, mm-hmm. for, for, for his purpose? That was, there was a recognition point in there that this enough is enough. Ministry, um, for us believers, um, it goes beyond the four walls of the church. Mm, amen. And, and he was convicting me of that, which led us then. We were, my wife and I have been in foster parents. We got licensed foster parents back in about 1997. Cared for a lot of children in our home and, and, and ultimately concluding that with adopting our final therapeutic foster children. Um, that home had we had to disrupt the adoption. We we adopted these boys, and in 2012 we had to disrupt, um, which simply is terminating the adoption. And we we would consider them still our adoptive children and loved them, but it had to look different. And 
so all these things were occurring, um, uh, convictions about just being spiritually filled but not, not loving my neighbor as I ought and as I've been called to. Um, through that disruption, we had been connected with a ministry in Texas. Um, my wife is from there, and she graduated with a gentleman that, that I know you've met, Cody, um, just a, a man that struggled with addiction early in life in high school, and, and God, um, again, through a number of people, I'm sure, uh, really got a hold of his heart, and he was transformed um, um, completely and, and eventually ended up founding a men's ministry in, in Denton, Texas, or in Aubrey, rather. We had met, I had met him. My wife, of course, graduated with him, but I had met him in 2009 at a 20-year reunion of hers. And we just fellowshiped with some like-minded believers in her class and spent time praying over this weekend that was to come. And towards the end of the weekend, we had learned about this ministry, and it gripped our hearts, both of us. Jana was largely probably unaware of that, that this was going on with this gentleman. So through the different experiences back here in life, we decided God just called us to Denton. 2013, the fall, I said, Heidi, I don't know what it looks like, but I think we need to go down there and mm. pour into these men. We need to be part of this, which I think we always knew someday would come. So we loaded up a 1988 Allegro mobile home and, or motor home and, and headed south with our family. <laughs> We spent that first year, we spent uh, five years down there. But I, I, I speak about this, and I don't know if I've shared any of this, maybe bits and pieces with you. But towards the end, it was actually the last day that of our five weeks down there in that first year. Uh, a gentleman that I got to be close with down there, his name was Arthur Early. He was on... Not on staff. He was uh, one of the men in the home. The last day we were eating breakfast, and he come up to me, and he says, Troy, he said, I'd like you to, I'd like you to line your family um, up on chairs. You know, it's five children and, and my wife and I. And I said, he said, I'd like to take the 40 or so men that are here, and I'd like to circle them around you, and I'm going to lead them, and we want to speak into your life, you know, as a, as a husband and as a father. Um, and I'm going to direct these men to do that. Now, there's no staff there. These are men that may have been in the program for four, five, six months, but it would also include that men that may have just come off the street that day. Mm. And Cody, I tell you, when he, li I, at first I was a little bit taken back because anytime you serve, you, there's almost a pride that sets in. There's all, I'm going down. You know, your God's calling you, but then, well, we're going down to be a blessing. And usually we're never prepared for the how that reciprocates back on us. Yeah, well said. And so, Yes. And so <laughs> he lined us up. And I, I, I would imagine I would, the tears are almost starting to flow before they begin. But one by one, they started to speak in to my life. God, you know, this, you know, some of their words paraphrasing were, you know, God, we just thank you for um, giving us a good example, you know, as a, 
as a husband and father, giving us a good example in Troy and his family. And I, I broke down right away mm. because, you know, there was a part of me that, yeah, this is dear to my heart, so I, I, I tear up pretty easily. Um, a part of me was thinking, but, but you don't know the full me. You know, I know that I am a wretch, right? But God really, part of that was, a, I think, a voice coming from the, the enemy because God really showed me that, yeah, I know you're not perfect, son, mm-hmm. you know, my child, but I want to use you. And these men need that example. And so when I recognized that just wretched old me could be an influence like that, to someone that needs that, that really impacted my life. Mm-hmm. And it certainly impacted the life of our family. Mm. You just, uh, you're, you're just reminding me of some things I've been thinking about a lot lately. I've been reading some Puritans. They're so good at reminding you about the, mm. uh, the frailty of our souls mm. and our fallen condition, but you know it, it is just so true that it, if God is going to call someone into ministry, and they are to be of use to Him, uh, that they must come face to face with the hard reality of their own sinfulness. That's right. That's and yeah. you know we 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 are not prepared to be shaped and molded by God's grace until we are confronted with how desperate we are for the mercy of God. And it's just so encouraging for me to hear you speak because you're just a living reality of those things that I've been thinking about. And um, praise God. Amen. Yeah, praise God. It's humbling um, to experience um, that sort of transformation and never you never see it coming and never quite prepared um, and so I think that's probably the you know some of the different events that I've explained that moment was pretty gripping and and it did us it did set us on a different course we we proceeded and um, to make sure. Uh, so I'm a seasonal um, op- operator of a fence construction company. I I used to farm and ranch. Um, did that for 16 years, and have been building fences since 2005. It's afforded us the opportunity, since we can't build fence most of the time here in North Dakota in the winter, to to make this journey south. So if we had continued to do that. On up to a point until till one of our children started attending public school, and it, it, we just we haven't done it now for a few years. We still are connected well with them, but um, there was uh, another. Um, um, I, I, I had to hesitate to call it an event, but in 2015, um, the blessing of having your own business is to be able to take your children with you Mm -hmm. um, and work alongside of them. For a father, what a blessing Mm -hmm. that is. And in September of 2015, my son Jeremiah 
who loved to play guitar, um, we were sometimes known to be kind of cheap. And so he had a <laughs> he had a Fleet Farm guitar, electric guitar, and it, it didn't have much quality to it. And he was really picking it up, and he really had a desire to buy his own. He 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 understood. Fleet Farm's got everything. Huh? <laughs> everything, even electric guitars. <laughs> oh boy, From I tell you, fencing equipment to musical equipment. That's right, and even Under Armour gear, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he he's he saw the value and 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 recognized that if he wanted extra things, or you know, not that we would not have provided, but he just he was determined to earn his own, and he loved to work with me. And so we brought him. I brought him to a job. I was working up in Grand Forks in September of 15. Um, but there was an accident that day on um, September 17th, 2015, where he was on a four-wheeler. Um, and I was, we were, we were separated, um, you know, and I, and I don't need to go into a lot of detail other than when I heard that there had been an accident and I was even on, I was, unaware that he was gone. He was gone with my, um, my, uh, another one of my workers who I had actually fostered just a, a tremendous young man that I, I'm so thankful that God brought him into our lives. When I learned of this, uh, you know, I certainly had a sinking feeling, but I was still a little bit of a shock because I didn't even know they were gone. But, um, when I was brought, when I realized that it was Jeremiah, um, of course, in a, in, a, in a situation like that, you're you're certainly in shock, and you're, as a father, it's that that part of you that kicks in and going to do what you need to do mm-hmm. um, for your for your child. And so I, I immediately went up to him and I started giving him mouth to mouth, and um, you know there was a moment in there, within minutes, I would imagine. That the Spirit of God, I don't know if it was audible, I don't know how it came to me, but it was like I heard the voice of God as he spoke to Abraham saying, what are you, what are you willing to give up for me? And, you know, as I heard that, I, I wept. I said, I can't. I'm too weak, mm-hmm. you know. It's interesting because when, when we read the story of Abraham and how Abraham obeyed God, Scripture doesn't go into much detail about how Abraham, Abraham had to have wrestled with what God was asking him to do. Can you imagine, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I was experiencing. And so I say, I can't, I can't, Lord, I'm too weak. And, and moments later, he gave me a peace and I recognized, and, and it, was a, it was a supernatural work of the Spirit of God that allowed me to, I don't remember if I mouthed it out loud, but but it was not my will, Lord, but yours. And um, needless to say, um, that set us on a new trajectory in life um, that will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, even on the ambulance ride to Grand Forks, my wife was coming up from um, our church. It was our first day of our homeschool co-op. Jeremiah actually just, he loved co-op, but he chose to come with me. But I said to my wife, I said, honey, I said, I don't know how this is going to work. We're broken. But I said, I know that no matter what happens from this day forward, um, 
God has to get the glory for his for Jeremiah's life. Mm. And since then, prayers, uh, the supernatural work of God has it's never he's never failed. Mm-hmm. And since that time, even before FCA, this led you guys into a ministry focused on caring for grieving parents who have likewise lost children are experiencing the same gamut of emotions and helping them walk through their grief, uh, casting their cares on the Lord and finding healing in Him. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that ministry. I mean, you're doing, you're going into FCA, but you are going to still continue this ministry that you have to grieving parents. This is really, it's turning out to be a more wonderful part of all this story that I never really predicted when when we draw these two ministries together. Mm -hmm. While We're Waiting is a a ministry that was founded by two parents in Hot Springs, Arkansas, two two couples, I'm sorry, um, that lost children. Um, Brad and Jill Sullivan lost their 17-year-old daughter to cancer. Larry and Janice Brown um, lost their son. Um, He was a on SEAL Team 6, who was a Navy SEAL, um, died in Afghanistan in 2010, saving his team. My wife learned of this ministry within months of um, us losing Jeremiah. And by the way, I must say that we didn't really lose Jeremiah because we know where he's at. He professed Christ at the age of six. It might have been even earlier than six. I, I sometimes I get those. Maybe it was four, five years old. But he's really where we have aimed. We're aiming our children, and that's to to the throne room of God to to be to dwell with Him in eternity. And so we know He's there. Um, we miss Him here, but deeply. Um, anyway, back to the while we're waiting, um, and so. She always knew, Jana always knew that there would come a day. Um, she was firm in that. And a year ago, this past fall, she had an opportunity. She knew that it was time. This has always been her thing, though. I've always wanted to support her, and I've ministered through my business to not only grieving fathers, usually just men that need Christ or they are experiencing a particular storm in life. And by God sustaining us in our hurricane, you know, um, it, he's given us the strength to meet those needs of others. Second Corinthians, you know, uh, one, the God of all comfort, right? He comforts us in our affliction so that we can comfort others with the comfort he's given us. It is... It's an amazing work of God. So we, she, she got trained to be part of that ministry. And jumping forward to this, um, about a year ago coming up, I got authorized also kind of grandfathered in to team up with her. And now we are support group leaders um, for this ministry in Fargo. And we host several annual retreats. And what a blessing that has been. And I have a further story to share there maybe in, in a little bit with regards to how God is um, bringing these two uh, ministries, um, overlapping them, I say. 
It's it's funny because um, this was certainly one of those things that endeared me to you guys. Hmm. You know, when I found out what you had gone through in losing your son, um, <clears throat> you know, as we've talked before, I lost my brother mm -hmm. in an ATV accident. Yep. And yes. uh, it's been just really hard to see what my parents have had to go through since that day. That's right. Uh, there is the grief that, uh, of course, siblings go through, which uh, mm. I don't want to, you know, underestimate or, or downplay, but it really does not come close to the grief that a parent feels in losing their child. And uh, that's been um, very evident <laughs> as I've, I've watched my parents. And so... Yes. There's been so many days where I have just uh, longed that they would have someone who is anchored in Scripture, anchored to the gospel, with their hopes set on Jesus Christ, care for them and, and help them, show them the way. And then to meet a family, you and Jana, to see what you're doing. Uh, I just knew I'm like, I want to spend as much time around <laughs> these people as, as I can. Uh, it is, it's, it's transformational and it has been in our life. And it's interesting because people will often ask us after a retreat, well, did you have fun? You know, and, and we're always cautious. We, there's an element that was fun, but it's not really fun in, in the way that we would normally define fun. Yeah. Right. You know, fun is maybe going and supporting our kids in, in the flag football game, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, uh, fun would come in other shapes and forms. But it's, it's life-giving. And when you can meet people at their deepest time of need, and when, when you can open up to, let, to, to act as a conduit of God's mercy, it is really... We have so very little to do with it other than the being available part. Mm. But then he's doing the rest through us. And so, yes, we wrap up a weekend that's heavy, full of stories, and we're learning about these children that are represented at a, at a retreat. We, we weep with those parents because now we, we, we know these children that, number one, aren't even on this earth anymore, but number two, we never physically met here on this earth mm -hmm. and it, it it is a unique kinship that we develop with these parents lifelong though maybe some we'll never see again this side of heaven and so to be it, it it's such a need in our in our world because grief is so misunderstood a particular particularly grief with uh, the loss of a child, no matter what age. I myself never really understood. I have three aunts and uncles that lost. I've lost three cousins. And I remember many times gathering with those families years after their loss. And I was so uncomfortable if they mentioned their child. And I would part of my heart would think, aren't you over this yet? But now, you don't get over that. Yeah. 
And now God has opened up a new sense of compassion for those aunts and uncles. Mm-hmm. Now I understand. Yeah. And so what a need we have as a church to, to really understand that, number one, you, you're never, you can never say someone to a parent, something to a parent that is lost that's going to cause them more hurt because they're already hurting the most they'll ever hurt. The church just forgets. It's hard to quantify it, Cody, but simply coming alongside people that I'm sure some of your listeners know, parents that have lost children, and saying, I don't understand, but I love you and I care about you. How are you? Mm-hmm. And mention their child's name. <laughs> you know, yeah. we as grieving parents love to hear the names of our children. So that's a, we as a church have a lot to learn, but we don't hold, we don't hold, um, negative feelings towards the church. Maybe we used to, but we've, we've grown as well. Yeah. So there's so much in this podcast. There is. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's great. We are sitting here and I, I just think, you know, here we're learning about ministry. We're learning about grief too. And uh, just as a point of encouragement, because I, I think you're, I think you're right. I think people are afraid to so much say anything about the person who has passed, and and I think part of that fear is that they don't want to send the person they're talking to in a trajectory of reliving all of the grief connected with their loss. But I don't think that's actually what happens. And, and right. as you've said, parents want to talk about their children. That's right. There are, are joyous memories. There's a life to be celebrated. That's right. And, and so if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and you have somebody who's grieving in your church and they've lost a loved one, uh, mm-hmm. do exactly what Troy is saying. Uh, don't be afraid to walk up to that person and, and let them know how much you are encouraged by them and how much you love them and how much you're there to serve them and you know or even ask questions about the one that was uh was lost in their lives because for sure you know i have to share a story in confidence um in our church it wasn't days maybe a week after the funeral there was someone that came up to my wife. My wife, we were struggling in, in, in those early days all the time. Um, and my wife had been crying, you know, in church, you know, which would be quite normal, right? Well, someone approached her and asked her what was wrong. And, and, and she had to, you know, well, I guess we just buried our son, you know? Um, but that, this woman... Did not mean ill intent at all. Because she approached her and asked her what was wrong. But you see, there's a disconnect because in, in, in a church, there's a loss that occurs. In all, all, all of our churches, we're going to lose people. We're going to lose grandfathers, grandmothers. There's going to be middle-aged people, children, so on and so forth. But we have this expectation. We seem to go through the loss, 
We grieve a little bit as a church. And then we get to the funeral. We do the difficult thing about, boy, I don't really want to go, but I need to because I go to church here and go to this family and support them and love them and get them through this funeral part. But it's not long after we as a church tend to figure that it's time to move on. We've gotten through all this. And, and, and many times, particularly with, with parents of, that have lost children, many times those parents will leave that church and go find another one because they aren't able maybe to extend that grace that God has given them to their fellow parishioners, if you will. Mm-hmm. It'll cause a lot of hurt. The church is unaware that's even happening. And so, yes, like you said, Cody, don't be afraid. Some of the people that have been most compassionate in our lives aren't even saved. Mm-hmm. There's one couple we know that have consistently come around us, remembered the day that Jeremiah passed away, remembered the, his birthday, give us a call. They don't say many words. They just say, we're thinking about you. Simple. And, and we could all learn a lot from that. Yeah, you know, another a point on that is, uh, and this pertains to, you know, people maybe that have been disconnected from the church because of various circumstances. Maybe the, they've been going through a period of sickness and haven't been able to come to church in a while. But, yeah. you know, oftentimes as the pastor, people will come up and, and they'll ask, you know, how is so-and-so doing? You know, and, uh, oh, we, we miss seeing them. Hmm. And then I'll, I'll maybe talk to this person this particular person that they were referencing later on, and, and I'll mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, I uh, just want you to know we've been thinking about you. A lot of people have been asking about you, and they'll go, really? <laughs> yes. They'll just be stunned. Mm-hmm. And and they'll. I've even had a person say, you know, honestly, it means a lot to hear that people have been thinking about us. There's part of us that wishes they would have let us know, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, and I think, again, everything is well-intentioned. I think, That's right. I think even the, uh, the people who you know, said, hey, we're so-and-so, we've been missing them, they've been afraid to reach out and say anything because they don't want to send a message as in mm-hmm. like, that would come off judgmental or whatever. Um, but truly, I mean, you miss someone, let them know you miss them. Let them know. If you're thinking about someone, let them know you're thinking about them. It means a whole lot to them. Um, yeah, I think the part where we say that people don't mean that in ill intention, we, we believe that. But I think there's a caution in there as well. Um, to some degree, and I'm, I'm pointing at myself here prior to this loss, um, is there's some apathy connected with that. And, and we as, as Christians really have a responsibility to, to not use these as excuses, mm-hmm. really, so yes, we may not have meant in, meant in ill intention, but are we then really loving as we're called to? Well, apart from the Spirit of God and His grace, we can't, right? But we have that duty and responsibility. And so that's, that's, that's not a charge or an, an indictment. It's meant as an encouragement. Yeah. Um, you know someone, you don't even have to know them that well. Call them. Just thinking about you today, because if you thought about him, that was a spirit most likely that brought that person into your mind. Well, then act on that. Yeah. Call him. It 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 will never hurt 
they'll never say, boy, I wish you wouldn't have called me. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. It'll touch them. Yeah. And that's how God works. Yeah. It's just that obedience thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we probably should uh, get back to talking more about FCA. This has been a great... <laughs> Uh, Segway? Segway. I don't know. Excursus. Yeah. (laughs) Sideline? (laughs) Yeah. You know, side topic. And it connects, of course, because this is all of how God has shaped you and brought you now to this moment of leading you into this new opportunity. Um, You know, but let's get really specific. I mean, FCA. Why FCA of all ministries? Because, I mean... As we've talked in the past, there's been people who have, you know, wanted to get you to be their pastor mm. and, yes. <laughs> you know, and serve in other capacities. So why this ministry and how did all that come together? Yeah, a little background in FCA for me. I first was involved with it in high school as an athlete um, and in college um, as a, a student. Um, but... Here in 2018, I, I, I had known of a gentleman. His name was Nate Safe, and um, he used to play for the the Bison football team um, years ago. And um, I had partnered with him. Uh, there was some school that had in the in the district that had gone through some hard hard times with regards to um, hazing and so so on and so forth. And down in Texas, I had gotten the opportunity to meet uh, John James, and John James was uh, a founding singer, lead singer for the Newsboys from Australia. And and at this at the Denton Freedom House, where I had mentioned earlier that we've served, there they have a fundraiser at the Texas Motor Speedway, and so I met John there. Well, when I had heard um, of these problems in, in in this particular school, I started thinking John has a story. Uh, of redemption because he fell away in the late late 90s he was dis- dismissed from the band and god did a tremendous work in his life and 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 he really itinerates throughout the united states and he goes into schools gives a general overall message and then has a common he'll invite to like a common place where he can i say the full meal deal or he can give the full gospel and the full true reason for his you know, for how God saved him from that moment in time. I thought, well, let's invite this person up here. Well, then it started kind of coming together. Well, how about a Nate Safe? I knew he was involved with Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I really contacted him and and I brought John up here and 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 introduced him to Nate and another gentleman by the name of Grant Olson. Um and the idea then was to get John into as many schools in the district. Ironically, um, some of the schools that I'm going to be in in care of or in this new ministry position, let's get him up here, and then maybe we can have him. You know, I asked Nate, and he says, well, we could have him speak at the Fields of Faith event at the Shack, which is at NDSU. Great idea. So that's what happened. That was kind of the beginning of, a, of more of an involved or being more involved with FCA. It was maybe the beginning. Uh, if I come up into the summer of 2021, though, um, I've been going through a, a um, continued knowing God is calling me, but 
And knowing that I, in my business, he's been using me, but I've been going through a Christian college and taking up a rural certificate course in ministry, rural ministry. And so all these things have been occurring and, and been sharing this a little bit with Nate. And, and at a family camp this summer, Nate actually approached me in, in, the, in the food line. We were going to eat. And I knew that FCA was going through a restructuring and recognizing that they needed to spend in an, or have an investment in coaches, that they did fairly well at forming huddles to athletes, you know, athletic huddles for, for student-athletes, but not much was being done with the coaches. And he says, Troy, I mean, I'd asked him because I knew he was really, really excited for getting people in these positions. He goes, Troy, he goes, you know, you know who I was thinking would really, really be good at this? And then he said, you, he said, <laughs> which I was not prepared for. And, and I've shared with people plenty of times that it was like a turning on a fire hose, you know, and it kind of blew me back. And well, the dust settled a little bit and a little bit and not much was said, but eventually I followed up with him and he asked if I would consider pursuing and going into what they called tryout training. And this so I did. Brilliant. You're in the food line. He knows he's yeah. got you trapped. Yeah. Nobody's going to walk away from food, right? That's right. If they don't like this, they're going to Well, right no one's, if you know Nate's safe, no one's going to walk away from him either. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not the kind of guy you want to meet in a dark alley. No, no, no. <laughs> he's just towering. Yeah, yeah so that was, that was kind of my initiation to, or where God opened up a door for me to consider and pray over. And really... I went through this tryout training. Now, this is kind of where, while we're waiting, I, I, I had mentioned to him, I said, this is, I'm, I'm flattered, thank you, and yes, I'll, I'll go through this tryout training, but I said, I need you to know that this ministry of while we're waiting, this grieving ministry, it's something that my wife and I are grafted into and committed to. And I said, you need to know that if there's a time down the road that God opens up a door where, I could perhaps be more full-time. That doesn't look like that way right now, but I just wanted to share with him my commitment to it mm -hmm. because of how it's a unified ministry with my, with my wife. Um, he understood that. So I proceeded the tryout training, tremendous training, but at the end of it, there was a background check. And um, during, at the time of our loss, we had charges not... Going through that investigation, through the around surrounding the death, um, um, Jeremiah's accident. Ultimately, we landed in um, in North Dakota. We landed in the um, we we had we were listed on the I was listed on the child abuse and neglect registry. I had no idea that that was happening. I knew there was no truth to that. But it's a formality, and, and it has, over the years, several times precluded me from taking up um, different jobs, particularly one actually here in Castleton with the high school. And so I told this to, to Nate. I said, you know, on this questionnaire I had to answer or fill out before I could proceed, it asked me if I'm on any... I don't remember how the question was worded, sure. but of course I have to answer yes. Mm -hmm. And I brought that to Nate and just was just explained that to him, and he couldn't really imagine how that would 
you know, he knew the truth behind it. Yeah. How would that exclude me? I said, well, well, let's just consider it a door that will either be opened or, or closed. Yeah, trusting God, in God's sovereignty over all of that. and Completely. Yep. And so the good news is that when I completed the tryout training and authorized and went through that background check, Nate calls me a day or two um, after I had, uh, after the, when he got the results. He says, Troy, he says, your name, it's nowhere to be found. It's gone. Now, this is supposed to be a 10-year thing, I'm spo- and, and it's been six years only. He says, your name is nowhere to be found on this registry. I'm like, and, and I started crying. I mean, another, a, a, a door blown wide open. And so we proceeded to the next step. Mm-hmm. And that was coming into um, a, a, an online training, preparing for a boot camp that taught us how to that teaches us how to, how to raise the support. All right. So you're heading in this direction to join FCA. You're not quite there. You told us a little bit about how your responsibilities include uh, really ministry to the coaches, right? What is your role specifically? Uh, you know, are you going to be, you know, cause you oversee a very big area or that's the idea. Right. And, and, Part of the reason I'm excited to have you here talking about your ministry is because it actually is connected directly to our own community here in Castleton. Central Cass is one of the schools that will be part of your uh, jurisdiction or oversight with FCA and one of those uh, communities that you'll be impacting and influencing. So in what way will you be involved in all this? Um, Explain a little bit more about that. Yeah, it's because you're it, one guy, and there's a lot of schools that's right. connected to your ministry. Yeah, to be precise, uh, there's 16 schools, 321 coaches, and 2,446 students. That includes all students. It covers all of rural Cass County, to include Hope Page, Maple Valley, Northern Cass, Kindred, and Castleton all of Richland County, all of Sargent County, and all of Ransom County. So, yeah, 16 schools. <laughs> and and I've recognized that, yes, uh, you know, the Lord can do anything um, as he chooses, but 321 people is a lot for one person. How will, what is our main, our focus will be, yes, it'll be on the coach. FCA has a... Uh, Kind of their mantra is ministry through the coach to the athlete. Instead of ministry to the athlete and hopes to be a good influence in the coach, you know, it, it's really focused on that discipleship to that coach. Coaches are under an enormous amount of pressure. It's been said that coaches are now coaching in a genera- in, in actually in two generations of entitlement. Mm-hmm. We have two generations that live under entitlement. And so not only are coaches coaching these athletes, in many situations they're coaching the parents. Many coaches are throwing their hands up in the air, not even allowed to do what God's called them to do. They exercise their gifts and talents as a coach. And they throw their hands up in the air and walk away. Some may even walk away from the Lord if they're, if they're even if, They've been in a partial relationship with him. So 
my job, if you will, and, and my heart, as I've stated here today, is recognizing that naturally, organically, connecting myself with these coaches. And, and yeah, I won't be able to take care of 321. But I know God has preparing this field. And my job is to, to be a gardener and do some of that early work. And if he gives me an opportunity to be a harvester, I'm willing, right, mm. to be used. But mm. any work here without him would be in vain. So I know he leads this ministry. So, And uh, kind of what's the on-ramp until you are able to do the work of ministry and, and really start connecting with coaches and organizing, uh, you know, care for these coaches? What's the whole say, process look like? You've been kind of going through FCA boot camp, yes, boot right, camp. and training at this point. Yes, I went through a training down at FCA headquarters, which is um, adjacent to uh, the Royals and Chiefs Stadium in Kansas City. Um, you look out the office of FCA, and, and and you look south, and you see those two big stadiums. That was pretty neat. Um, went through a boot camp, which it was a two day training. Um, by a professional trainer that has been involved with FCA for many years. Um, there's a story there I will want to share. It's really important. Um, I got lots of side stories, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, well, Is you there and a time I, limit on oh, this podcast? Oh, man, you and I, we just enjoy talking, too. We always kill the time when we're together. There's no problem with that. It, so. This training uh, was to teach me, to teach those in attendance, about 48 of us from all over the U.S., why living on support, why you can be confident and secure that it's grounded biblically. They, it was a, a pretty deep dive into scripture about that. And that's been really impactful. And, and, and when I first heard that this was going to be a support position, I was, it was daunting because I'm, I fall into that Western mindset of caring and, you know, carving my own way. Yeah. But I've really come to understand and have confidence and trusting that God provides that this is an ask that I'm asking him to continue to prepare me prayerfully, financially, whatever it takes so that I can fulfill that call to, to minister to these coaches. So the on-ramp, and when you say that, <laughs> I'm actually... The, the, the thought of, I, I think of, if, if anybody ever heard of Evil Knievel, and he's, he's, got a, he's got this huge obstacle that he's got to jump over, whether it was, I don't know, did he jump the Colorado River or something once? Or some, maybe it was the Grand Canyon. Yeah, maybe it was the Grand Canyon. Yeah, I don't I know. Like there was a Grand Canyon. But scene. there's a long ramp, right? And I, I feel like I'm climbing this ramp to be ultimately launched into, you know, an unknown, maybe unchartered territory. Yeah. Uh, the point I need to, the end of that ramp, I guess, is when I'm fully funded in the ministry. Um, and so once FCA sees that I'm fully um, supported financially, they don't want to allow me into the field until that happens. Sure. So that way, both aspects of that are vital. But it's really, FCA sees the value and importance of having a strong network of people that support you that really grasp and 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 that God prepares and gives them a heart almost as very not not even bystanders but almost a, just a very integral part of that 
that vision and that God really wants to see happen with people in general. Yeah. So what is the financial goal? Where are you at now? What's it going to take to get you to a place where you can, where FCA can finally release you and say, hey, go, go at it? Well, the, uh, it, I really started this the first of the year. I mean, well, the third, I guess, was a Monday, I believe. Um, we started out with um, $85,000 annually. Now, that FCA takes, like most missionary organizations, take about an 11% um, fee off of that to cover their administration. Everything else that is raised above our personal need, we will actually be given a salary from FCA. But everything that people, however, if they support us financially, it goes into our org organization number or account yep. to our name, my name. And so if we raise, which I believe God will do, that he'll have excess in there, that he'll give us cushion and margin. But what's ever in there above and beyond what we would be paid will stay there. It won't get dissolved or taken or robbed. It, it stays. So... In the event that I had, a, let's say here in Castleton, I wanted to take all the coaches in, in, the, in high school, um, you name it. Uh, maybe I brought them to a conference that, hey, you know, that Pastor Cody Weckerly was having at his uh, Harvest Plains. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe there was a cost to an event somewhere. I could, I could pull those funds out of my org number and, and pay for that. You see? Help scholarship people. Sure. Yep. Definitely. And so that 85000 comes to about 7000 a month. And we, after about a week, we <laughs> probably have roughly 1000 covered already. Praise and the Lord. And so we're so, Nate Safe was pumped about that. And, and just we recognize that as God is doing that work. Mm -hmm. and, and by me meeting with people and just sharing such an an important part of, of my meeting time and, and conversation time is is listening to who I'm meeting with. Mm -hmm. What are they, where are they at? What are they going through? What's God doing in their life? And it, it's impacting me because what maybe in the beginning seemed more transactional is becoming transformational. Hmm. Ooh, good Good word, yeah. Well, I, part of why I wanted to meet with you today is uh, obviously we are a young church, uh, but one thing we want to continue to grow in is the way that we support, encourage, equip, and send out people into the world, right? And uh, we do have a special relationship with you, hmm. and I do fully believe in just how God is using you, how he has used you, how he will use you. And I agree with Nate Safe. I think you are a perfect fit for a role like this uh, with all the experiences uh, that you have been through, uh, with the training that you have acquired over the years, uh, your heart for the gospel. Uh, every time we are together, I am always refreshed <laughs> in not only the gospel, but a confidence in the word of God. Amen. You know, and uh, and that's what we need. We need guys stepping forward who have courage and boldness uh, to present Christ unashamedly, to say there's one hope in this world, mm. and it's Jesus. Amen. That's it. Amen. So true. All other roads lead to hopelessness. Mm. They lead to meaninglessness. They lead to despair. The road of Christ 
is that which brings eternal life, abundant joy, and true purpose, right? So, yes. um, you know, so I am fully for you, mm-hmm. and uh, I just want people to support you in whatever way they feel led. And they, as you said, they can support you financially. Uh, they can support you prayerfully. Uh, maybe it's that uh, someone has some special connections to some coaches uh, in a school that they're connected to, whether it be Northern Cass or in Sargent County or wherever they happen to be. And they might be the bridge builder for you to gain some access into some new relationships, right? That's right. So many ways uh, that we can partner with you. But if somebody wants to find out more information and they really they want to they want to support you, what is the best way to contact you? Do you have a phone number, email address, website? What's the best way to go about setting up a meeting with you? I'd like to say that I didn't have a phone number, that I was not in dependent on my <laughs> yeah, technology. How many of us wouldn't just absolutely <laughs> love to be yeah. off the grid? I have the same cell number. This is going to date me since 1990, probably 94. Well, I had a bag phone when it all started, but I've carried the same number. Yeah, that would be the best way. Uh, uh, two ways, I would say. Um, would you like me to give my number? If you feel comfortable with it. Uh, we don't have a large subscri- subscriber list <laughs> here yet, so I think you're probably safe in giving out your number. And obviously the focus of the podcast is primarily for the saints at Harvest Plains mm-hmm. Church, but we mm-hmm. hope it's a blessing to those outside of our walls uh, as well. Well, um, my number is 701-640-3401, and I have an email. I have several, but the best one would be um, actually, I have three now. I got an FCA email, <laughs> but I would give a, um, my email would be vision fencing. So that would be uh, V I S I O N fencing, F E N C I N G 65 at gmail.com. So vision fencing 65 at gmail.com. Um, if uh, you have further questions, um, if your listeners do, um, feel free. I always welcome a phone call. I'm not going to be think you're weird or something like that. I'd welcome that call, just a chance to to connect. And uh, if you have a further interest to donate to um, our ministry, I would I would email you a link, a donor link. We have a um, actually uh, fca.org is is the national website, and if you search our name, Troy Soldum. Um, it would actually also bring us, bring you to that, that donation page, and then of course it's self-explanatory from there. But perhaps a quicker way, and I would appreciate was it would be a personal phone call or connection, you know, um, and I could get you hooked into that link. Great. Well, uh, lastly, before we conclude our podcast today, uh, for our church, we'd love to know how to pray for you. And if you could give us a couple of things that we can lift you up for, uh, we'd just love to do that. I will give you a couple things, um, but I do have to go back. Okay. With a quick story. Do I have permission to do okay, that? Okay. All right. I give you permission. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you had mentioned early on about the collision, the uniqueness about two ministries. This, while we're waiting, ministries. I mentioned is in Hot Springs. When we were down there, we were down there early December, and the plan was to drive down and then drive to Kansas City 
Jana would fly home and I would stay. That's what we did. Well, we got to meet the founders of While We're Waiting, wonderful people, and we got to participate as alumni helpers. Like we served in the kitchen and things like that at the refuge, which is um, While We're Waiting's um, headquarters, if you will. I had asked Nate Safe who my trainer was going to be for this boot camp. And he, I had asked him if it was going to be the, the a gentleman by the name of Steve Shadrach who wrote the book I read, The God Ask. No, he said, I had him, but you're going to have this other guy named Micah May. And I, that name kind of went in and out because I had never heard of him. Well, coming back to while we're waiting and down at the refuge there in Hot Springs, I was visiting with the fathers, you know, that had founded this ministry. And they sharing kind of how it all began. And they had included this other family that had lost a child as well. And the three of these couples partnered in prayer and really prayer walked over, over some of the, the ground that one of them owned. They felt called to begin this, but it was going to be daunting. It was going to be a million dollars to build this facility. And they had $3,000. So they brought in Mama and Daddy May to, to partner with them because they, they've known them their whole life. So this is kind of that background story. Well, I was sharing what I was going to be doing with FCA and where I was going. And they said, well, we have these close friends that um, their son has been with FCA and here in Arkansas actually is a multi-area director and has been serving there for over 10 years or so. Um, I said, wow, that's, that's really cool. You know, kind of a you know, I'm, I know someone who's FCA and you're going to be, you know, that, that was kind of coincidental. But the cool part is that when they said his name, I'm like, man, that name sounds familiar. Micah May. So I called Nate or sent him a text. I said, Nate, what is the name of my trainer? Who is that going to be in FCA? He said, it's Micah May. And I just, <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't believe it. And here, what God did is that he, he, Micah May and his family was absolutely integral and foundational to the formation of While We're Waiting, a ministry that we have a deep passion for and that I made sure Nate understood I didn't want the two paths, you know, that my commitment would be to While We're Waiting. Mm -hmm. He takes that person, Micah May, who lost a brother, as you did, and he dropped him as my main lead only trainer in this new ministry of FCA. I was utterly, completely blown away. And yet another affirmation of how he's calling me. And so I, I really needed to share that because mm -hmm. you can't make up these stories. Yeah. You just can't. So thank you for allowing me to share no, that. No, what a point of encouragement. Yeah. You know, I just think, again, that's part of how God uh, confirms that this is the direction. There's multiple points of confirmation multiple. and intersection. And yeah. That's just really cool. Yes. So how can you pray? Uh, I would say helping, praying that I will strike that delicate, critical balance. This will require a lot of work and a lot of time, but I need to have that balance. And, and really, I'm not a calendar guy, so I need that. I need to balance my time out between family and, and, and all these meetings and this part of the journey. I want to do that right. And, and that was certainly part of our training is to make sure we keep that in check. Um, very important. 
Um, I have got the 100% support of my wife. She's when we're when we meet with someone together and share. She she goes, okay, I'll I'll stop and let you talk. No, so she's excited as well. But she sees these two ministries overlapping. We already do, but we need that prayer. Secondly, um, as we meet, as I meet. And sometimes, like I said, Jana will as well when we're meeting with couples, that God would be glorified, that he, that people would be spurred on to greater works, if you will, um, greater and deeper relationship with Christ, that they would be transformed um, by just how God has worked in our life. You know, that, that maybe this would be a turning point for them. Mm. Um, to God be the glory. You know, through and through that, that boy, you know, what if 50 lives were touched for the Lord and even under the scenario, and, and I'm not, I know this won't happen, but, and we didn't reach our support, but all of this happened in the meantime, to me, that would be worth it. Yeah. So that's where I would say the two primary areas. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, this would be my encouragement to those listening. Support Troy. I love this brother. Uh, pray for him. Call him up. Send him an email. Get together with him. Uh, I think that God is going to use you, brother, in some tremendous ways. And, of course, as I've told you, I'm still trying to figure out, uh, you know, what our involvement is going to be with FCA here in Castleton. Um, the group is kind of, uh, in this last year, kind of disassembled in some ways, and uh, I have a huge heart for the school. I go in there. I substitute teach. I get to interact with the coaches. I have a unique place uh, there, but also don't want to become um, spread out too thin and yeah. lose sight of my responsibilities with the local church. And That's so right. I would even say as a point of encouragement to those listening, if you have a heart to uh, help at Central Cass uh, lead a ministry there and work with Troy in ministering to the coaches, contact me. Let me know. We'd love to get you involved with that. Um, but yeah. thanks for joining us today. My privilege. This, Thank you so much. Oh, we'll do it again, too, because obviously <laughs> there's a lot more we could have uh, talked about today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just think there's so much more uh, encouragement that uh, that we could bring to our folks and talking about uh, maybe it's the subject of, you know, dealing with grief and caring for mm. uh, families experiencing grief. So mm. much uh, for us to glean in that front. But uh, thanks for joining us. And this now concludes episode two of the Harvest Plains Church podcast. Have a great day. 